Welcome to The Art of Growth and our panel season on Enneagram stances and attachment styles. This is the Type 3 panel. Before we get started, if you'd like to process the Enneagram and your growth journey with others on the path, consider joining the Art of Growth community. This is the best place to meet up with other Art of Growth listeners as we support each other in our becoming. You can join today at www.theartofgrowth.org. Theartofgrowth.org is also the place to take a free Enneagram test, a free Enneagram Instincts variant test, or to reach out to us for individual coaching or organizational coaching and consulting. There you can reach out to Joel Hubbard or me, Jim Zartman. In this podcast series, we build on the work we've done in other panel seasons on Enneagram type and instincts. All right, here we go. Well, welcome to the Type 3 Attachment Styles and Stances podcast. I am absolutely thrilled to have each and every one of you here today. And I'd like us to start by having you introduce yourself. Tell us your name and where you're from. My name is Jeremy, and I live in Northern Colorado. My name is Ursula, and I live in Southern California. My name is Madeline, and I live in Hartford, Connecticut. And my name is Hillary, and I split my time between Southeast Missouri and the Raleigh-Durham area of North Carolina. Well, welcome. Welcome. I am so thrilled to be interviewing each of you because I know you've been thinking about this. This is a big, big topic uh, as we're facing a generation, really, of folks who are struggling with this connection, you know, to other people and how to do it and do it in a way that is meaningful. And uh, boy, we we just don't know how to do that. And I think COVID didn't really help us very much in that regard. And so folks are really struggling with this. Belonging is becoming a major theme these days. And I think a lot of this has to do with the style of attachment in the stances, which really are answering the fundamental question that every one of us has, which is how do I get my needs met in the context of my closest relationships? And so this is what we're going to be looking at tonight with the stances and also attachment theory. Tonight, as in we're recording it tonight. You might be listening to this in the morning. So let's begin by telling me what your what your stance is, your sort of order of stances, and if context makes a difference as to how you show up. I think that my first uh, stance is the at energy. That's how I usually get it done. So I've heard it described as at energy from you guys and like the assertive or aggressive stance from other Enneagram teachers. And that's my default. That's my go-to. And if that doesn't get it done, I'll go to withdrawing. I'll back it all the way up um, and almost kind of (laughs) unplug or detach. And unfortunately, my last try, like the, oh, crap stance <laughs> that I pull from is, you know, the together energy or toward, yeah. Yeah, toward, yeah. toward, yeah, yeah, toward. And, you know, I'm working as I'm working and doing more inner work. I'm trying to flip that. I'm trying to do better, but that's honestly where I'm at. Mm. Yeah. Uh, it's curious to us what we're doing as this is a research project so we don't really have many answers we're coming at this like asking you (laughs) Um, the people in our minds the average people are the experts if they can tune into themselves 
they can come up with the the uh, the wisdom that uh, I think is collective wisdom. So, Ursula, tell us a little bit about your instincts as well. What is your dominant instinct and which one is your second? Right. My dominant is social and then my second is self-pres. And so I'm always like looking to connect with people as a social three and like network like this can help this and this can help that. And that's helped me. Uh, I do a lot of work with nonprofit organizations and stuff. And so I'll remember a name or, you know, something from something and then attach that way. So that's that's my instinct stack. Mm -hmm. Okay, thank you. And what does the ad energy look like for you? I am always looking for an agenda. So I I want to go towards and fix it or add value to it. And also, I don't know if I'm being honest, I want to receive some value from it as well. So if that doesn't happen, like I said, my second would be withdrawing. I'll pull back and I'll just become like a bug on a wall. And it looks like two kind of totally different people sometimes. Like what's wrong with Ursula? <laughs> And, and so what I'm trying to do is just to be more curious in that withdrawing space. And instead of completely detaching, stay connected and remain curious. And I think that's kind of the work for me right now. Mm. Mm. So my dominant is definitely at, and I think my at comes from a sense of control if I am at, if I am coming off as more assertive, if I'm coming off as more aggressive, maybe even it's me asserting my dominance or control in the area that I'm in at the time. And it was interesting, you know, you asked us, Joel, does it change based on context of like the relationship that we're dealing with, whether it's romantic, parent, child, and that was such an interesting exercise for me to go through because even though I do feel like my stance, my dominant stance is at, I feel like it changes based on the power dynamic in mm. the room mm. and how much control I feel like I actually have. So mm. like in, rom in my romantic relationships and my friendships, in my, like, as a parent, I am very at dominant. Mm -hmm. However, if I am the child in this situation, so if like I'm in a situation with one of my parents, or if I'm at work, I'm actually going to start more reactive or more toward energy because I'm trying to anticipate, like I, I'm not as aggressive because I don't feel like I have control in the situation. So I'm going to, I'm not going to withdraw completely because I want to be present. I'm going to start to try to offer those solutions first, instead of stating an opinion, I'm just going to offer a possible opinion or solution. So that's where I noticed where my dominant stance changes is dependent on the power dynamic, but always my next one after that is withdraw. So without okay. fail, if that primary one does not serve me, I am going to, just like how Ursula said, it's like a completely different human. I am mm -hmm. going to completely back away. <laughs> and my husband, I was discussing this with him and he said, you're an at withdraw, then more at. 
So <laughs> I withdraw. <laughs> and instead of like trying to be, you know, like how <laughs> Ursula was saying, be like questioning, be curious. I am like, no, I'm all in that rumination. Like, how am I going to become more at, how am I going to gain more control after I withdraw? Oh, wow. So there's a lot there. And I saw some head nodding, you know, so there's so much I I, I want to know, first of all, your stacking as well, your instinctual stack, if you could share that. Yeah. So I am, my dominant is sexual and my secondary is self-pres. So what you said earlier answers the question of the way I feel around threes, what I've observed. And we've done this whole thing on water and rock some time ago. And threes overwhelmingly resounded with that. They they said that is definitely something that we feel that I feel is that I become like water and other people are rock and I have to work my way around them. And so I'm curious about this as to like, because you said, uh, you know, if it depends on the power dynamic, it depends upon the relationship, it depends on a lot of things. And so I may move much more toward, which looks to me more like that water effect, because you're still at and you still have an agenda, you still have a desired goal and an outcome. (laughs) And you're kind of pushing that along. But maybe you're doing it in a different way. And maybe you can elucidate a little bit on that. And I'd love to hear from others as well. If that's what is happening is more of like a okay, this is the power dynamic I have to adjust in. And the three can do that. I can adapt. I can I can work my way around things. So it doesn't appear at all the time, right? Yeah. But it is. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, I think it's really interesting as I'm hearing you say that. I think that's maybe where my instinct comes into play a little bit to where I, I'm going to use the word manipulative. I'm still working on the, if I think about that as a positive or a negative connotation, but I think when I'm using that toward energy, it's more of that manipulative energy. Like I'm going to manipulate and assert my control in a different way and kind of shift and move until I feel like I have control, then I'll go to the at. I agree with that. And I think too, like, if I'm being honest, guys, I want to win. <laughs> I, like, I like to win. And, and so if I have to change and even go, you know, towards and to get to the in thing, if I'm being honest, I will do that. And so like my first is to withdraw. And I think very similar I think when I'm withdrawing, maybe I am trying to be curious, but really I, maybe I am trying to puzzle around that, what, what it is that the end goal is for me. And, uh, you know, as I do more work, I'm trying to kind of let go of that, but I like to win. That's the goal. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I was trying to differentiate what the at felt like that's different between the, the seven, the eight and the three. For the eight, it is kind of like a directive. I'm trying to direct. That's where the ad energy kind of comes up. For the seven, a lot of times it feels more like convince um, yes. type of the ad <laughs> energy. But the word that comes to mind for the the three is current. So mm. we were using the water and rock and they're like, yes, it's more water for the type three. They're like, I have to navigate and move. I was like, yeah, but you're creating a current that's still trying to take it in a direction and use some of that benevolent manipulation to create a good goal that is healthy that you're still trying to get to, but it's still creating that current. Does that resonate there? For sure. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, Hillary, what you're saying, the power dynamic, I was trying to think about, I guess, my stacking of stances and I was like, well, it's different. I'm like, I I couldn't decide what the second two, like two and three were. 
And I was like, you know what? It does change in power context because I mean, I think for me, I in theory would always love to have the at stance because it feels most comfortable for me. But like I'm an intern at a law firm, so I, I don't have much in the way of power dynamics. And so I really do have to lean more on that towards and which is not as comfortable for me. You know, I'm like, I just can't wait to get to the top so I can just directly say what I mean instead of having to go about these other ways of doing it. And so I I felt what she said. It was good. <laughs> well, Madeline, talk more about your, you know, your instinct and then your how your stances work. Yeah. So I am also a sexual three um, with a second is social. And then my stance is my dominant one is at. And so I don't know. I, I just feel like I kind of go through the world with like an at stance. Whenever I, I heard, at least when I first heard it, the word against, I was like, yeah, that's how I feel like going against, not against, but I'm just like, uh, I know what I want and people don't seem to know what they want. And so I don't know. I think I see it most in like, huh. usually it's efficient to be at, but sometimes it's not. And so, you know, then I have to kind of cater more to the relationships or withdraw if I need to like take my space to do what I need to do. Mm. Is withdrawal your second? Yeah, it is actually. Yeah. Okay. I think it is. I mean, like I said, the the power dynamic changes it, but mm. well, it may also shift because of your instinctual stacking. So if you have a <laughs> sexual social, it may be a short stop at the withdrawn, and then much more moving back to the toward because of the social instinct. Mm -hmm. um, at least that's what we're kind of playing around with as we're listening to different podcasters respond to that. It seems like. There's even if the order is the same, it's a little less time or a little bit more time, depending upon the instinctual stacking as well. No, I think something you said was interesting was whatever is more most efficient yeah. for you. Mm -hmm. That really rung out like loud to me, like what is going to be the most efficient way for me to have my opinion be heard? Is that going to be to be more at? Mm -hmm. Is that going to be for me being more toward? Like that, I think that was a, an interesting word. Yeah. And it would also rung out to me is this idea that against for you is that I know what I want and others don't. And I, I love that. I think that's actually yeah. that agenda, you know, that come back to that word again, like that really resonates with the at energy mm -hmm. is that it has an agenda, whether it does it through current or however it does it, mm -hmm. it, it has we're going this way and this is what I want. And this is what I want to see happen. This is the goal. And I want to get there efficiently and all of that. So yeah. yeah. And in terms of meeting its needs, again, answering the question of how's it, how does that work to meet your need in relationship with people? Mm -hmm. Well, the against or the ad energy does not believe that by merging with the group agenda that somehow we're going to get our needs met. And so okay. that's a big part of the, why there's any sort of like a uh, reaction to being caught up in someone else's agenda, someone else's flow. And so that shows up quite a bit. My instinct stack is self-preservation with social pretty close and then sexual pretty far down. And when I started thinking about this in preparation for the podcast, it took me a while to wrap my head around it because I and I'm still figuring it out. But I think that um, the at energy is actually my repressed and has been for most of my life. Mm. I've been toward for most of my life with almost all my relations. The only times that my at energy brings itself up is again in power dynamics is with my younger brother. Mm. Thinking back through our lives, I can, I can definitely see that it was always there, but in every other relationship, it has been towards somebody. And then I'm entering it more and more now as I'm getting to a point in my career where I'm no longer an assistant or I'm no longer a student, but where I actually 
there are some things that I know more about the people around me. And so I've been for the past couple of years kind of accidentally discovering more of this part of myself. Mm. Um, and I can tell that sometimes it's a little bit too much and I have to kind of find that balance still because this is this is something that's still so new to me. But those are the two places where I find my ad energy. And so that's why it took me a while to wrap my head around this because I kept looking for it and I couldn't really find it in, in my life except for in those two spots. Mm. Yeah. Thank you for saying that, Jeremy. That's a, it takes courage to, to my mind anyways, to say something like that because it doesn't fit with the general ideas about uh, stances for uh, the types. But it's wonderful because there are other threes out there who are probably saying the same dang thing you're saying. Like, I don't fit. And hearing you say that, I think, is is remarkably helpful. I'm curious about that because I've thought of oftentimes about how does that play out for a three who is looking for approval and is mm -hmm. looking to be the best this, the best that, to really fit into whatever they're in and be the best version of, of themselves in that space. And for some threes, I would imagine that like that toward that, uh, that kind of like, well, just, you know, pull back on the atness and just kind of go toward is a way to survive, is a way to get that, to get that sense of I'm good enough and I'm getting that the approval that I'm good enough. So that's, does that resonate with you or it maybe say, say a bit more about that? Yeah. And it's so dependent on the context and the power hierarchy. Like I can think the times that I pull away are with very specific people or in very specific situations. And the time that I move towards or sometimes at as a leader are in places where I have that confidence that comes from either knowledge or experience or the hierarchy and the social structure. Like walking into a party is very difficult for me. And I don't really know how to enter those all the time. But if I walk into a group of friends, then I'm like leading that conversation because that's a place where I'm confident, where I, where I know what's going on. And that's, that's where I find either the towards or the at. Mm. And then with a, with a group of people at work, it very much depends on like what we're doing. Like I, I read those contexts very, very mm. much and, you know, subconsciously react and adjust to those. Mm. Well, cause I'm picking up on one of the words you used when you said the at is repressed for me. Mm. It wasn't just like, oh, I don't go there as naturally or I have to pull that. But it's kind of like, no, I've ha I feel like I've had to intentionally hold it back. And I wonder if that self-pres energy has sort of ha felt like you've had to taper it. Mm. Like what, I don't know. What do you think about that? Does that resonate with you? I'm not sure. I've thought that I was a nine many times. Mm. <laughs> and I keep going back to it and I keep reading the chapters in, in all the books and being like, damn it, maybe. Um, but then I, I realized that that I'm not. So I think that 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 with and that pulling back from has been just so much a part of how I've survived and how I've navigated the world. Yeah. Well, just for uh, for our listeners and for you, self-press threes tend to be the most conflict avoidant of the threes. Mm. Right. So there's that protectiveness. The self-preservation is a protective container. And so its alarms go off very quickly if it senses this is going to be bad. This is going to cost me a lot. You know, so there's there's that kind of pulling back that will happen naturally with the self-preservation instinct. So I'm wondering if that's what you're noticing in yourself as well is like that's what takes over <laughs> in those yeah. spaces. Yeah. yeah. And some of that confidence that I've been finding the past couple of years, a lot of that is the confidence to push up against something that's in front of me. 
mm. or or have have the confidence to be in conflict with somebody and know that that's not the end of the relationship or know that mm. that's mm. not going to get me in trouble. That's that's been my growth for the past couple of years. Wow. A lot yeah. of nods on that one here. <laughs> mm. I think that says so much to the power dynamic and how mm-hmm. we as the, from what I'm hearing just here, like we as threes, we show up differently due to how much power or control we have in the situation, because there's oftentimes where, I mean, candidly, I thought I was a self-pres until just very, very recently, but it's because of that. I was looking at the power dynamic of my life too, right? Like the, I didn't feel in control of everything. So I was holding back. I was definitely in almost every part of my life, more of that toward energy to survive, but it was like a forced survival versus Mm. the natural. And so I think this idea of power dynamic is so interesting. And the fact that all of us resonate with that and how Mm. we shift our energy due to how confident we feel in the situation or how, you know, much in control we feel of the situation. I think that's really interesting. That completely resonates with me. I'm a middle child. And when I'm with my sister and my older cousins, like my husband, I remember once we were out and I was running everywhere, like getting stuff for them and like, you know, making sure, you know, the food that they like to eat was here and all this stuff. And finally, my husband was like, what is wrong with you? (laughs) And I just, I fall right back into the little sister kind of role Mm -hmm. whenever my older sister, like she'll be at my house and I'll, I'll be asking her, is it okay if we, and she'll look at me like, this is your house. Like, what are you asking me for? But if, you know, as a business owner, I'm a wedding and portrait photographer. Like I have to be the person who says, go here and go there. And I don't have a problem with it at work. And of course, I don't have a problem telling my husband what to do. So there's that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Do you feel like, I mean, do all of you resonate with the sense of like having to earn your way there? Yeah. It's like you don't get to have that power. You have to earn your way in the context of those relationships. I've seen head nodding. Is that? Yeah. Or if you claim that power, then you have to back it up. And again, that's, that's mostly at work for me. It's like, if I take a chance, then I darn well better, (laughs) better (laughs) show up and do a good job at it. Yeah, you can't, if you grab that power, then you, of course, you can't fail at it. There's no room for vulnerability. It has to remain that water, right? Moving and maneuvering or that add energy. It has to remain there because uh, the other is just too, it's too exposing. It's too vulnerable uh, and it would show weakness. So once you're in the act, once you've taken that, you got to perform. Now you're on stage. Now you've got to kill it. Yeah. The on stage reference is that's exactly what it is, Joel. That's exactly what it feels like. It's like you're up, you're on and you have to perform it at your best. And of course, saying it out loud, that sounds ridiculous. You can't be your best all the time, but that's the thing that's inside for me anyway, as a three, that is just pushing me all the time. Mm. You can't lose their respect. Well, that must be complicated because you're kind of caught between the world of agenda and approval. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Okay. Let's explore that one. <laughs> agenda and approval. You need the approval 
but you have an agenda. How does that work? <laughs> so after COVID has happened in Southern California, what's happened in the wedding portrait um, world, the, a lot of oversaturation has happened since COVID. And so you get a lot in especially the area that I'm at. So like everyone is a photographer now. You go to Costco, <laughs> you buy a camera, and girl, you're a photographer. Oh, so it's, it's, it's starting to kind of push out. Like I've been doing this for a couple of decades. And so my prices are set at where they're at. And I, I don't get out of bed for less than a certain amount. And that sounds kind of braggadocious, but at a certain point, sounds it's good. not... <laughs> I like it. It doesn't benefit me anymore, mm -hmm. you know? And so I've crossed over. I've started writing and that agenda and performance and approval, that kind of struggle is it's been a slow out of the gate for me because what if I write this and people don't like it? And I've been told and I've kind of written some things and I'm a relatively, you know, articulate writer. I can, I can do it. And so I've got some literary agents kind of approaching and talking to me about different things. And so it's a very scary thing. And my husband's like, well, why don't you just send them what they're asking for? And I thought about it and I thought, but what if I fail? What if they don't like it? And it is uh, this crippling, stifling thing that keeps me from going out because I have this agenda. I want to do it, yeah. but I need to be applauded. And gosh, that sounds hollow when I um, say no, that. I, I so thank you for being this honest, this transparent, Ursula. This is fantastic. Okay. And I really appreciate that. I mean, these are, you're doing your work, which is why I love when I, I love watching threes do their work because when they do it, and they can be honest and truthful. It's a beautiful thing. It is so you're talking about the agenda, the approval, the need to perform, to, excel but yet at the same time that crippling feeling of but what if they don't like it and so that's really good because our our big question around this whole series we're doing is how do you really grow how do you grow in the stances how do you grow in the attachment styles and we'll touch on that in a minute but like how do you do that and i'm hearing that and jeremy you mentioned starting to grow in the at you know that's the stance so let's talk a little bit more about that i want to hear from all of you in terms of that aspect of approval and the sort of at energy so there's two phrases that are coming to mind that i use regularly is my growth in that at energy and I'm hoping to grow more in the toward energy, but in a more productive and not manipulative way. You know, I used to think like with my at energy, if I was going to be wrong, I was going to be wrong strong. Even if you gave me all the facts, all that, nope, I'm if I'm wrong, I'm wrong strong. I'm not changing my opinion because that's going to make me look weak. That's going to admit that I failed. And now I've been changing my at attitude to more like I have strong opinions that I'm holding loosely. Like I can have a reasonable conversation that I can be strong in what I believe, but that I'm more open to the possibility that there might be some, I can give a little bit. You know, and so that's kind of where my growth, I feel like is in, in the stances is from being wrong and being wrong strong, even if I know I'm wrong to, mm. I have a strong opinion, but it can be held loosely. Mm. 
just such, I, I honestly had trouble with that question because I was like, what, what does growth look like in the stances for me? And so I don't know. I think at least recently I've, I've noticed my emotions with my at stance because I think in some contexts it's not good. And so like, for example, in recent, you know, conversations with friends and just other things that have kind of brought me anxiety or just like feeling like a loss of control. I think that at stance is really like kind of out of like an unhealthy fear and like an anxiety. And so just like mm. when I see it in that context, I'm like, oh, that at energy is not, it's not good. It's, it's coming from a hurt place or a scared place. Whereas like, you know, in other cases where I think that stance is coming from a more healthy, positive thing, it's like, you know, maybe like seeing my value, like uh, I'm in school and so, and I'm working, like I said. And so I think like the ad stance there that I'm working towards is developing, like, you know, I have this value. I have these skills that I, I have to give to my employers and to my, my school. And just kind of for me, viewing the different emotions that are associated with that energy, like as to knowing whether it's unhelpful or whether it's helpful. Yeah. I said earlier that I've, I've been exploring my at energy more. And I think the next point of growth for me is that in that exploration in suddenly being the only person who knows about one specific thing, I've overdone it at work and I have to be pulling it back because there are a couple times that that's led to failure because I was so sure about something that I ended up being wrong about later. And then later we have to, as a group, kind of figure out like, okay, what's what's the middle ground? Like I've, I've been a little bit too audacious in a lot of things as I've been exploring this. And I noticed that I mentioned my brother earlier, my younger brother, our relationship started as I was way too much into the ad energy. And like, it, it wasn't a healthy way to interact with him. And over time, I kind of brought it back to center. And that's what I'm focusing on doing now is using that energy and having confidence and having an agenda and, and seeking it, but making sure that I don't realize I'm wrong when it fails. And then I have to come back and try to recover it to lead with that, but then also seek advice and make sure that I'm not leaning too hard into it from the beginning. Mm. Let's um, jump over to attachment styles. And what I'd like you to do is keep reflecting on the stances and feel free to make the connection between them. There is a connection. It's an interesting one. We're not entirely sure that it's a perfect match. It seems like stances addresses some things that attachment styles and attachment styles addresses something else sometimes. And so we're not looking for a perfect match, but there are some similarities and some interesting differences. So again, attachment styles has to do with these four categories, uh, securely attached, which means I can ask for what I need and I can also receive for what I need. And Without demand. So if it doesn't come my way, I, I don't, you know, I don't lose it. I'm okay with that. That's what ideally we're all aiming towards. And oftentimes we do get there in relationships. And then the next one is the anxious preoccupied. And that's the one that doesn't actually believe that they can get their needs met by themselves. They really rely on the relationship. Like you have to meet that need. That's not necessarily overt. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it's explicit. Sometimes it's implicit. And then the third one is that dismissive uh, style, which is, I don't trust anybody to meet my needs. I'm going to meet my needs. And they kind of push people away. This is a bit of a distance that's kept at least at, at times. And it doesn't mean that these people are introverted or that they're just antisocial. They can be very social, very engaged, but it's like, yeah, but I, I meet my needs my way, not trusting you to meet them. And then there's the fourth. And that's the, that's the sort of disorganized one that doesn't really have a clear strategy on how they get their needs met. So 
again, talk to me about which one is yours, your starting point, your default point, and, uh, and does context make a difference? My default is definitely more of an anxious attachment style, but I do feel like context matters for this, um, for me. And I think it's very similar to the stances is it has a lot to do with the power dynamic with it and how safe I feel in the situation and safety and security. I use very interchangeably. If I feel that I'm in more of a safe relationship, I will lean more towards that secure attachment style, but it takes me a long time to feel safe and secure within a relationship because to kind of what we were talking about earlier is I have to earn that status, I guess, in the relationship. I have to earn the right to to earn that person's acceptance of me. And so I think I go back and forth, like in my close relationships, like with my husband and with my best friends, I definitely still default with that anxious attachment style, but I there are times where I can be very secure in my attachment. Like I don't need a lot back. I don't need reassurance, but that's only for people who like have really, like we've really been through it. We've really built trust, like as a parent to my kids. That anxious attachment style is always there. Like I need the reassurance of my kids all the time that I'm a good mom, that I, I need that back. And obviously they're children, <laughs> like they can't, you know, but it's like this constant like need for that, getting something back. And what do I need to give to feel secure in that relationship? Because security seems so fleeting to me, because it seems like I'm having to constantly earn security yeah. in every relationship that I have. And so definitely as a default, like I am definitely an anxious attachment style. Like that is like reading my number on my <laughs> relationships, but, it, and it takes, I can get to the secure and that's what I'm wanting. Like, obviously that's the goal, right. To get to, <laughs> to get to that secure, but yeah, that's definitely where I, where I start. Is that anxious? Mm. Yeah. Thank you. Madeline, you're also the more of the sexual three. Is that resonate with you? Would you are you different in that way? I resonate with a lot of it, but I feel like I secure is definitely my starting point, but at least in times of like stress, I, I mean, yeah, I, I feel the anxious one like pop up a lot. And so but I agree, like you said, it was based on, you know, the security of the relationship, like, you know, my close friends and family, I'm like, the relationship is good. And I don't feel the need to like, have them provide me with things or me necessarily provide them with, I guess, emotional need meeting. But I don't know, like, I think in relationships a lot, like I see the anxiousness come out because it, it doesn't feel stable. So it's like, I'm like, what is the status of this? What is this? You know, yeah. I just want to know where things stand. And I found out my mom has a you know, pretty bad health condition. And so after hearing that, I was like, oh no, like I need to, where do we stand? I need to get everything out. And I, I felt that anxious attachment a lot. And so, um, mm. I, yeah, it definitely depends on like, not just the person, but like my exterior surroundings and life situations as to my security. Yeah. Mm. Well, I think I appreciate you saying that. I think you've named something that's important and that is there is a lot of fluidity to this. You know, it's not like you arrive at a stage of security and you're go, oh, thank God, finally here at security and yeah. good now. 
like there there is no such thing it's you're in the security you're out the next day you're back in it's more of a like a it's a situational it's a contextual thing it's what i'm feeling internally so you mentioned contextual like what's happening with your mom and sometimes it's just internal like i'm feeling a little raw today i'm feeling a little sensitive today and so there might be a few more touch points like i need to make sure we're okay i'm okay are you you know you 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 still happy with me that sort of thing so i appreciate the mentioning the fluidity of that and that most cases you're in a good secure place and you shouldn't be ashamed of that. That's a great place to be like, well done. You've, you, you know, you're there. And so we celebrate that. And then other days it's, I'm not there, you know? Um, (laughs) And that's, that's where we are today, but without shame and without guilting ourselves. So, yeah. So I appreciate you sharing that. Madeline, what about like the context of a new relationship? Well, I I recently have started one. So that's where I'm like, Oh my gosh, the anxiety alarms are going off. And (laughs) (laughs) And so, but I wonder, you know, it's kind of starting like in a long distance context. And so it just feels even more unstable. And so Mm -hmm. I'm always like, it's, it's really okay. And my head's like, it's not okay. You know, you don't know where you stand. You don't know what's happening. Yeah. But I mean, I think like in context where I like have a lot more interactions, I can kind of gauge more frequently, but relationships is definitely where I see the anxious attachment the strongest and until I get in like a comfortable place with my partner. So, yeah. Yeah, even how you phrase that, like wanting to know where I stand. That's interesting. Okay. One type three said, every day feels like a job interview day. You know, it's like every day I'm getting. Oh, geez, wow. <laughs> it's that same oh. thing. And back to that again, you know. So it can take a bit. You know, it sounds like what you're saying is you've learned how to get to secure attachment, but your starting point will by default be maybe a little bit more in the anxious. That's not a problem. We say your starting point is not your problem. If you know how to work through it and get to the, secure attachment that's wonderful that's great that's the work you know so yeah that definitely resonated with me the oscillation between like secure anxious and dismissive i think i probably go from secure to dismissive like and then maybe then maybe into anxious (laughs) and it just feels very situational again like everyone's been saying you know, if it's something that I know that I have to or can count on me for, then that's, you know, that's what we're doing. But in a situation where I, like I'm, if I'm working with a group or on like a, a writing project with different people uh, jumping in pieces um, and, and I have to depend on them to, to do that, uh, it feels very vulnerable to me because I can't control it and I have to tr- trust. And so I guess that's the work, you know, it's, it's been some new work for me is to trust that people are going to do what they say that they're going to do. And that makes me a little anxious. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you also talk about the moving through them and it's interesting with some other types, it's been, you know, more fixed and with heart types, I'm seeing this a little more, this fluidity. And I'm wondering if it's because of the externalization, like looking to others, wondering about where I stand and that the stance can actually become more mobile because of that external looking. I haven't thought about it like that, but. Me neither. Uh, <laughs> it just came as I'm listening right now. So we're, we're just discovering no, yeah. right now together. I think definitely the fluidity thing definitely rings true. I oscillate and, and I guess it is because of the approval thing, because with my kids, you know, I made these people. I don't really, I don't need their, their uh, you know, approval. They're my humans. You know, that's like, you know, for me. And so I don't ever 
oscillate like with them, you know, uh, but in a situation uh, like at work and when things are new, there is kind of that fluidity, that jumping back and forth from anxious to secure mm. to maybe avoidant or, or dismissive. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Well, and again, this is great that there's diversity even on this team. We need that. We need different. We don't need the same. We need like, well, for me, this is I, I start more at the dismissive. For me, it isn't with my children. It's different with my children. That's great. It should show up differently. And this speaks to the complexity that we mm. all are. And so I appreciate that. There's so much context in that, like how Ursula, you were saying you're not like that with your kids, but like, I think mine has all to do with certainty that people aren't going to leave. And Mm. I only see my kids 50% of the time. Mm. And so I am always, and I know that when my oldest son is 12, he will get to decide Mm. who he wants to live with. And so for me, it is not certain his relationship with me is not certain. So I'm always trying to gain that Mm. certainty. Mm. So what are my growth process is like actually learning to be okay with the uncertainty, the more secure my attachment style becomes. I've had to teach myself that it's okay to have a gray area. You don't always need everything black and white, but my anxious attachment Mm, style mm. wants very clear, certain guidelines, just like how there's very clear, certain guidelines sometimes in an organization to climb that ladder, right? I like those clear, certain guidelines in my relationships. And when I do not feel like there's certainty in relationships, there's no clear guidelines. That's when my, my anxious attachment style is like on overdrive. Mm. And so my growth is learning that it's okay (laughs) to be uncertain. Mm. And that's when, when I can become okay with being uncertain, that's when I'm actually able to become more secure. Mm. Yeah, yeah the good. security, that's really well said, because the security, the more that you pursue security, the less the less secure you feel. Uh, it's, it's an interesting thing that happens there. Coming into this, I thought I wouldn't have anything to say, but listening to all of you, I'm, I'm finding all these points in my life. I'm I think I'm pretty I'm pretty secure, like most of the time. But there are definitely times when avoidance or anxiety come into it. Like I work from home a lot and like my work is mostly up to me. And there's very little success or failure. Like there's no scale that says like, this is good and this is bad. And Mm -hmm. so one of the things that I find that I have anxiety about a lot is whether I'm living up to what I could be and what other people are seeing of me. And are they seeing the progress that they want? or Are they seeing good progress? And my relationship with my boss is very secure, but professionally, I worry that I'm not living up to, I don't know, maybe it's some ideal that I have. And then like, I I can find myself being avoidant with people that maybe I don't know. Like I found that anxiety with work and with important relationships sometimes, like starting a new relationship, like we've all been saying, I want to know where I stand. And I'm like Hillary said, I'm getting used to that gray area where I don't have to know all the time. But then avoidance, I've just, as we've been talking here, I've been noticing how often I don't want to have to rely on anybody else. And so I don't know if there's something that has to happen, I'll just do it myself or I won't seek help, even if that might help, because I think I'll just do a better job. Or if, if my wife and I get in a fight, then 
I'll just shut down and go away and be like, I'm fine just by myself. I don't need anyone else. And so mm. in the extremes, that's where those show up. Mm. Well, as we wrap up our, our time together, you've already said uh, so much about how you're growing. And we've been bringing that into everything we've been saying up to this point. Is there anything else that you would like to say? This is something that has helped me to grow. Some new awarenesses that I'm having, some new steps I'm taking in both categories, the stances or the attachment styles that, that this has helped you. Is there anything like that that you would like to share? For me, the biggest thing was just awareness of the different ways that I may enter a situation. And I do a lot of journaling and that's where I kind of figure out like, oh, I actually, as I'm thinking through this, I'm realizing that the way I interacted with this person is different from the way I interacted with this person. And it worked here and it worked here, but maybe this other way would have would have worked better. So for me, it's really just awareness and then a little bit of processing and journaling or just talking out loud to myself and figuring out what happened and why it happened and noticing these ways that I interact with the with the world and the people around me. I love it. Let me just say this part because it's so important to understand for our listeners. The adaptation that the three has is not necessarily just like any one of us, other eight types, none of us are doing things in that full level of awareness. And so the adaptation of the three may not always be just because you have the capacity to adapt in all kinds of different ways. It is sometimes driven, unless we become aware, it's driven by default. It's just automatic. And so you're journaling, you're capable of seeing that, oh, <laughs> that was more automatic. It wasn't a really a conscious kind of thing. And so I love that, that you're able to catch yourself and the awareness is huge. Um, so thank you. I think something that I'm realizing in my growth is that I realized that I apologize a lot for how I come across or my attachment style. I mean, I used to apologize all the time to my husband that I needed that reassurance from him that he was not going anywhere. And there was so much apologizing going on, apologizing for just being who I was. And I think the acceptance for me, that's where the growth is happening is the acceptance of who I am and that it's okay to have this stance in the world, to be a dominant, like at energy that that's okay. And that sometimes I do have an anxious attachment style. Most of the time I do, and that doesn't make me good or bad. And that doesn't mm. make me a failure or a success. It just freaking is mm. there you go. <laughs> and that I yes. don't need to apologize. That's right. Mm. Yeah. So good. That was awesome. For me, like I said, what I have been learning is to be more curious about things. So my default is at, my default is to be kind of dismissive and just get it done. And so I too, like Jeremy will journal and see how I did something. And then the next time on purpose, approach it differently uh, with a different energy. So with drawing or, you know, just trying to kind of look at it a different way. What I've been practicing is a welcoming prayer. And so I've been allowing myself to know or to realize that the things that are coming at me in life, that things aren't all bad, that it's not everything is against me. 
and uh, mm. these mm. things that are coming f- towards me are actually here in life to benefit me that I have oh, to good. be Very curious good. about it and kind of uh, lean into it and know that I can work through it. And so I've been just taking a breath. And Mm. if it's withdrawing energy, if I'm going to withdraw, I'll withdraw, but not unplug because when I withdraw, I withdraw. I'm like, (laughs) so I try not to go all the way. I try to stay present when I do it instead of completely withdrawing and then, um, you know, accessing the with and being a part and not feeling uh, diminished when I'm part of a group, because that's kind of the, mm. the feeling that I feel that, that I feel too small when I'm part of a group, but it's okay to be that way sometimes. Whew. That's good. There's a lot of good juice in there. I, if I get started, I won't stop. So I'm going to shut up. Yeah. and listen to the rest of you. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I think like, you know, Jeremy and Ursula, like I also journal, I kind of do like a prayer journal type thing. But I think most recently, like coming with that awareness of where I see the anxiety and where I see like that, um, it's just, you know, reminding myself that like, I don't actually have that much control over things like over my life. I've just started to notice just like even little ways like that I've tried to exert control over my life. And just now that I'm aware of these things, like trying to be like, okay, like, I don't even know if it's the best approach to control what I can control. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. And I know it sounds kind of negative, but it's like, it's going to be okay. You know, I'm not in control and that's maybe a good thing. And there's a lot of like room to trust and grow and for sure. Yeah. Still figuring it out. <laughs> yeah. No, that's a, it. And that's like a fundamental foundational level of awareness is how much do I actually control, you mm-hmm. know? And, you know, Jim drew up a, a, a kind of, I think it was a concentric circle, Jim, was it? And, um, circle of control. And, you know, it's just been enormously helpful for so many people to try to just like map out what is it that I actually do control? And what do I think that I control that I don't control, you know? It's not very much. Yeah, it's not very much, right? For the threes, it's really remarkably helpful to kind of get at what is it that I'm trying to control that there's no possible control of. And so, like, learning to be able to relax around some of that. So it's really good, Madeline, really good. Wow. Really good. I mean, thank you so much. Each of you brought something so rich that I think people will be chewing on this for a long time. It's it's just so much in there that so many little nuggets that were sprinkled throughout this entire podcast. I just want to thank each of you so very much for bringing yourself to the table, which isn't easy. And you did it. You brought yourself. uh, You were honest, transparent, even if you went back to sort of performance like you know threes will sometimes do i could feel you pushing right back into the honesty space mm-hmm. and the honesty space for me that is what marks out a real person of the work who's doing the work of transformation right it's like it's not that you you're in one or the other all the time it's just this movement like oh i can feel it pulling back and leaning back in so thank you so much for doing that and for your wisdom uh, for all the things that you've learned um, in sharing that with us tonight Thanks for listening to this episode. You can follow us on social media or sign up for our newsletter at theartofgrowth.org. You can also go there to sign up for the community or to reach out to us for coaching. But hey, since you're here, why not stick around for another episode? Grace and growth, my friends.